Hello, friends. Today on our podcast, we're going to talk about historical epidemics. We're also going to discuss how pioneer communities dealt with contagious diseases such as scarlet fever, smallpox, diphtheria, and influenza. We're also going to take a look at how understanding these epidemics can help us understand our own personal family histories. So last year, I was on a genealogy research trip to Wisconsin, and while I was traveling through rural Wisconsin, I came across a nearly forgotten cemetery. It was unkempt, not completely uncared for. The gravestones were small and some of them were broken. Some stones had toppled to the ground. Some had been picked up and were leaning against their pedestals. This was a plague cemetery. Plague cemeteries are remnants of a bygone era. They are a reminder of the faces that were once lost to diseases that are nearly eradicated today. There was a sign at the cemetery that told its story. It was called Diphtheria Cemetery. A couple miles away, I also found a similar cemetery. This one was called Smallpox Cemetery, and it was small and old like the other cemetery. It was also better tended. It was surrounded by a neat little white fence and small white crosses which dotted the ground. And these crosses marked the graves of smallpox victims from the late 1800s. Both the diphtheria cemetery and the smallpox cemetery only housed a few families, um, three or four families each. These remote little cemeteries are very hard to find and they're just psychologically hard to see. There's a loneliness there to these remote little cemeteries. The victims were buried away from their loved ones unless their loved ones also died from the same contagious disease that um, attacked them. Plague cemeteries and their companion pest houses were created in the late 1870s by communities that were afraid that the bodies were contagious and could spread disease. When a victim died, their body was transported, usually at night, to this special little cemetery. Someone was sent ahead of the wagon that carried the body to make sure that the body didn't accidentally contaminate any innocent passerby. So if someone's coming down the road, they're warned, turn around, go back. We've got a plague victim in our wagon. Disease-specific cemeteries, like the smallpox and diphtheria cemetery, were created in an era when people had very little understanding of how these diseases were transmitted and cared for. They only knew that these diseases were transmitted from person to person. And so their solution was to limit person-to-person contact. And that limit that contact whether they were living or dead. As depressing as all this is, 
this was the harsh reality of the communities that were dealing with epidemics like cholera, smallpox, diphtheria, and influenza. Our pioneer ancestors had tight living quarters. They a lot of times had poor water quality and unsanitary living conditions. And this led to widespread deaths from disease, especially within the family home. So if someone in your house had influenza, everyone had influenza. If someone had scarlet fever, usually everyone had scarlet fever. One of the ways that these communities dealt with these feared epidemics were the creation of pest houses. Pest houses were homes that were used to quarantine the victims of contagious diseases. They were also called fever sheds or plague houses. Pest houses were often located outside of town near that plague cemetery or by a wastewater pond or river that the community used to dispose of these these victims and yes I did say a waste they disposed of them in wastewater ponds and rivers which although they thought they were doing the right thing would spread these diseases even quicker uh, they would also use mass graves for some of these victims the idea was let's get them in the ground as fast as possible with as least amount of contact so if two or three of your relatives passed away from smallpox they're probably all in that same um, grave uh, most of again most of these towns had did have some kind of pest house because there was no formal hospital to treat these patients so how did these pest houses work usually pest houses were vacant in between epidemics these buildings did not have any permanent caretakers or medical staff the patients of a pest house were expected to care for themselves or their family members so that they could reduce the risk of infecting any more people than absolutely necessary So if a pest house or a private home housed infected individuals, they would put a yellow flag up. It was often flown above the home as a warning for others to stay away. There would also be like a quarantine sign maybe on your front door. When that illness had passed through and everybody in that home was um, better, the patients were expected to clean the building clean and sanitize the entire building that also included burning any bedding and anything else that they thought could possibly pass that disease along to the next person there were also times when private residences and everything inside the home were intentionally burned to the ground for the same reason Uh, ironically on a side note If multiple members of a household had cancer, which we know now to be non-contagious, if multiple members of a household had had cancer, they would also, a lot of times, they would burn that home to the ground because they didn't want that cancer to infect anybody else. 
So how do plague cemeteries impact our own personal family histories? When I'm trying to locate the long lost grave of maybe my distant grandparents, I will sometimes hit a brick wall. And I have some aunts and grandmothers that I simply have not been able to locate where they are buried. I have personally not ruled out the possibility that they were buried in either a plague cemetery or were dumped in a mass grave due to an epidemic. I have a distant aunt that died as a baby of infant cholera. She is not buried with other family members. I can check local histories to see if that community was impacted with an epidemic around the time that my aunt died. I can also check death records to find her cause of death, which we know to be cholera. Hopefully a local historical society would be able to shed some light on how the town dealt with contagious diseases. We can also look through old newspapers for some insight. Old newspapers recorded not only deaths in the community, but also how families were impacted by a disease. Um, In the colonial area, families were actually kicked out of towns if they were deemed to be plague carriers. So we can also understand how disease also impacted migration patterns. Also on this note, when we talked about people having their homes burned to the ground because the community thought this home was too contaminated with an epidemic to be salvaged, that also meant any family papers, Bibles, photographs, those things are, are lost to, in that burning process. So we need to understand that those losses, we're not going to get back those pictures, those birth certificates, those records. They're gone. So we may have to look at what was housed in the local church. We're not going to find things that may be passed on from generation to generation. So understanding how these epidemics were handled in our local areas can give us a broader knowledge and understanding of how our families were impacted by these mass deaths and diseases. We can also begin to think of our families not just by their names and their dates, but also by these personal catastrophic events that altered their life journeys. So I want to thank you for being with us today and I hope you have a great week and we will see you next time. Thank you.